All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. The UFC is coming back to Canada, everybody. It's been gone for 10 years. Now it's back in Vancouver at Rogers Arena, and it's going to be a good one. Saturday, June 10th, championship fight between Emmanuel Nunez and number five ranked contender Irene Aldana. That's not all. The former champion, Charles Olivier, is taking on the surging number four seed, Daniel Dariush. That's going to be a good one. There's some Canadians on the card. Also, Mike Malott from Burlington, Ontario. My hometown fighter, Jasmine Yasudafius, is going to be fighting. And a couple other Canadians are on the card as well. So check it out. It's going to be a good one. I'll be watching. Tim will be watching. Saturday, June 10th, UFC 289. Don't miss it. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us here. Another episode of Drop in the Gloves. Thanks for joining us here. We got a good one, Tim. You know, we interview these players. Most of the time, it's, uh, I don't want to insult the player. It's a little dry. You know, not a lot of information. We finally have an expert. You know what I mean? And an expert of the experts. You get some guys who work for the local newspapers, some guys who work for, you know, some daily rags. George Richards works for the athletic. George Richards is an expert. He is he used the to work for the athletic. He used to work for the athletic. He works for <laughs> Florida hockey. Now he's an expert. George, thanks for joining us on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. The athletic back in the day, back before COVID. Yes. Before now, post COVID. Now you're in Florida hockey. Now, how are you liking the hockey beat? Yeah, digging it. Been doing it, you know, 20 years. It's it's all right. Not bad. So let's just jump into the Panthers. Obviously, we're talking to you because the Panthers are in the Stanley Cup final. You said they just jumped on the plane to head out to Vegas. Yeah. You said you've been doing it for 20 years. You were around when Jovanovsky, Van Beesbrook, those fun teams. Is there a sense of similar styles between these two teams? That team went to the Stanley Cup finals. Obviously, you didn't win. This team is back to the Stanley Cup finals what are the same ingredients, anything, or is it a completely different style of team this year? Uh, there are similarities just because the, that team was kind of a ragtag bunch. You know, they were a third year expansion team. Um, nobody expected them to do what they did. First year head coach and Doug McClain, great goaltending from John Van Beesbrook. They were a defensive first team. Uh, you know, they played the neutral zone trap. These Panthers don't do that, but this is a, 
this is a much more talented Florida Panther team, but we're 20 years removed from that, that 96 team and, and the game has just changed. Right. So, but they've, you know, kind of captured the, they captured the imagination of South Florida, that 96 team. Um, and this one's starting to do that too. This, this, this franchise has kind of been in mothballs as far as uh, the South Florida spotlight had gone. Um, you know, they went 12 years without making the playoffs from 2000, 2012. You know, they went 20 something years without winning a playoff series until last year when they beat the Washington Capitals in round one. So, um, you know, so people had kind of forgotten about the Panthers and, and, and that's on them. Um, but now this team is, is really taken off and they've, you know, they've got South Florida talking about them again. And, um, you know, that's not too bad for hockey in South Florida. You think the change is when they brought in Dale Talon? You know, he, he kind of orchestrated the Chicago resurgence, yeah. getting that team off the ground. Do you think he was the guy who turned it around for here, the Florida Panthers? He he did in a way, yes. I, I think Dale Talon, um, when he when he took over this organization in 2010, the Panthers were were definitely a mess. Um, you know, he was able to trade some some assets for some draft picks and and kind of create a core amount of players. Um, a lot of those guys are gone now. In fact, only three players are on this team since Bill Zito took over in 2020. Um, but Dale Talon was able to, to, to get the ball rolling a little bit, got this team into the playoffs in 2012, broke that drought, um, and then new ownership came in. I think that's really the biggest thing, the new ownership here. Uh, deep pockets here with the Florida Panthers. Vinny Viola um, doesn't mind spending money. Uh, the, the Panthers, you know, probably lose money every single year, and it, it's okay. Um, he's just going to keep spending and, and putting money into the hockey operations. I mean, this team wants for nothing. Um, and that, that's that's a stark contrast to, to the previous regime where, you know, the team was always flying out the night they play a game and they're they're out of there because they didn't want to pay an extra night hotel. Oh, no, this, kidding. you know, little little things yeah. that players notice, you know what I mean? Like yeah. fans will be like, well, what's wrong with that? You know, no players notice that when you're staying that extra night and then you fly the next morning, you get a good day's rest. Um, word gets around. And word gets around the National Hockey League that this is a franchise that you want to come to. This is a, this is a franchise that that'll spend the money, um, that'll do the little things for the players. I mean, it's why Claude Giroux, you know, last year had the Panthers. I'm only going to Florida, he said. You know, uh, Matthew Kachuk. I'm going to three teams, one of which is the Florida Panthers. I mean, when I when I started covering this team in the in the mid 2000s, or even up when Dale was here. That wasn't the case. Players wanted out of here. Jay Bomister could not wait to get out of South Florida, could not wait to get out away from the Florida Panthers. That has definitely changed. Yeah, I remember um, back in the day, one of the major free agent signings, I think one of the first ones was Brian Campbell, Soupy, where he was a very coveted free agent. I remember asking, like, Soupy, why did you pick Florida? Like, what's the deal? And he's like, no tax. He could tell the team was on the up and ups. And that was one of the bigger signings that florida had and you kind of just a springboard from there and you mentioned just opening up the wallet i was just going back the last few years and looking at how they you know assembled this team and it wasn't just last year with Giroux and sherratt two years ago you're making big swings for sam bennett brandon montour sam reinhardt like that's those are big producers now on this team if they don't have those three guys they're not anywhere near stanley cup finals so What's the shift like? I, did the fans start coming back midway through this? When did the fans kind of click in and say, holy cow, like we got 
a contender now because we've been garbage for 10 years. Yeah, they started coming. You, I mean, obviously a lot of this change happened during COVID and, and, and tickets were limited. Florida was one of the few teams that was allowed to have fans in the building uh, mm-hmm. back during the 2021 season, but it was only like 5,000. They were, they were capped at 5,000. That increased a little bit as the playoffs went on um, against Tampa Bay that first round. But still, I mean, it's a 20,000-seat arena. He still only had 10,000 in there. But when that started, you know, that following year, uh, people started, you know, really jumping on the bandwagon a little bit. And that was a really good team uh, last year. The Panthers won the President's Trophy. They played a style of hockey that was fun for the fans, right? I mean, the Panthers were a fun team to watch. Paul Maurice said it in his press conference when he was introduced as the new coach was he was sitting at his house and, and, you know, in Winnipeg, you know, he's out of the jets and he's just sitting there watching hockey and he would always watch the Panthers Mm. because of how exciting they were. Um, And, and, you know, that, that really got, got people's imagination going, but then, you know, they went, they, they win the first round against Washington. Then they get swept by Tampa and there's always been that that undertow of ah same old Panthers. See, we told you, we told you they would do this to you, and you know they've just kind of been buried by their own past. And now, at least getting through to the Stanley Cup final has kind of erased some of that. Well, you mentioned Paul Maurice. It's not very often you see a team who wins the President's Trophy fire their coach. And I know it was a different circumstance with Joel Quinville getting the boot early in the season and Bruno came in and coached fantastic. And then they get rid of him and they bring in Paul Maurice, who I'll be honest, I was like a retread, same old, the guy's been around. What's new, Paul Maurice, you might as well go get somebody other that's pick him out of a hat. What did you think about a Maurice coaching change? Did you think it was going to have that this big of an impact? When I spoke to Paul the day he got hired, I was asking him, you know, what, you know, why, why him basically? And he, he made no bones about it. He goes, I've got experience. I've been behind the bench 25 years. I was done coaching. I was good. I was good. Then I started talking to the Florida Panthers. Um, Bill Zito wanted to change the way the Panthers played. He wanted to play a more can do like we're saying now, but a more conducive defensive game, a four check, a heavy four check, um, not the run and gun through the zone like the Panthers were doing. Now, what Paul Maurice told me was you could keep, you know, you could keep Andrew Burnett. He did a hell of a job. Um, but this is going to be his first real job. This is going to be his rookie year. Um, you can tell this. Is, you can tell Andrew Burnett, this is how we want to play. We want you to implement it. Got it. We're go- that's what we're going to play. Then the team loses four out of five games. What do you do? The worry with the Panthers was that Brunette didn't have the experience or the security to not go back to the run and gun and not do what worked, right? Paul Maurice doesn't Mm. care. This is how we're going to play. Finally, the players always thought kind of in the back of their head, kind of thought that the Panthers were going to go back to what worked. You know, the Panthers struggled throughout the regular season. It did not look good for the Panthers. And I think subconsciously they thought, don't worry, this ain't working. We're going to go back. And Paul Maurice is like, no, man, this is how we're playing. We're playing this style of hockey. And finally it clicked and it worked. And I, I think that's why he was brought in. He was brought in for his experience. He's seen everything. You're seeing it now in the playoffs. The Panthers did not make many adjustments last year in the playoffs and it cost them. 
This year, you've got an experienced coaching staff under Paul Maurice. They're making adjustments. Just look at the power play against Carolina. They couldn't do anything in game one and at the beginning of game two against that penalty kill. By the end of it, they've got three game-winning goals all on the power play. So they made adjustments in-game during their breaks that they weren't making before. That's experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are some great insights. And and everyone on social media is talking about like the the record of the Panthers when they, they turned it on shortly after Keith Kachuk made those comments in the press, right? Sure. Matthew's father. As far as you know, did, that, did those remarks make their way to the room? Did it have an actual impact or is that one of those kind of coincidental social media things? I, I don't know. I, 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 I remember I wrote about it that, that day. Um, I'm sure they heard about it. Yes. I'm, I'm sure yeah. that got around because that happened the morning of, and it became, it, it blew up. These guys are on their phones. They see stuff. Um, but if you watch that game, if you watch that game against Toronto, it looked like Keith Kachuk was absolutely right. This team did not care. They get an early goal. Radko Gudis hit somebody in the opening minute. You're like, okay. Keith Kachuk got him going. And then nothing. Malaise. They just were going through the motions. And that's when Paul Maurice in the second period lights into him on the bench. That got him going more than the Keith Kachuk thing because they didn't seem to care. And Paul Maurice was like, I'm tired of seeing this. I mean, we've lost four games in a row here, guys. Get with it. Um, And they got with it. And they end up winning that game all thanks to Alex Lyon. Alex Lyon kept them in that game. Absolutely kept him in that game. It's a 2-1 game with a minute left. Sam Reinhart scores, go to overtime. Brandon Montour wins it. Florida Panthers winning, losing streak is over, and they start a new winning streak, and the rest is history, basically. Um, but I think Keith Kachuk, I mean, made made salient points. They, he was absolutely right. They were playing soft. The four-game losing streak in the middle of a playoff push, you've done it to yourselves, boys. You've lost. You lost six to two at home to the Rangers. What are you doing? Um, and I think it did kind of wake them up, but it, not in that moment. I, I just, you know, I've watched that game. They didn't. I was like, this team doesn't care. They're about to lose five in a row. And then Paul lit them up, and they came out in the third and played well. Um, and there you go. Yeah, I think it more comes from the room. I I think players get annoyed when they see stuff from dads and things like that. It's like, just shut up. Like, if the coach says it, it has a bigger impact. But just going back to the season, what do you think the biggest impact is on this team then? Because obviously last year you had Huberto, you had Uyghur. It's It's a different team now, the style of yeah. play. Is the difference you have Matthew Kachuk now? Or is the difference that it's Paul Maurice? Because really, those are the two main differences from last year to this year. What do you think yeah. it is? Which one is weighs more in your eyes? Well, Matthew Kachuk definitely plays the Paul Maurice style of hockey a lot better than Jonathan Huberto would. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's no knock on Hub- Hubie. Um, he's an elite uh, passer, an elite, you know, point producer. Um, you know, like Sasha Barkov said, eyes in the back of his head. Jonathan Huberto can find anybody on the ice at any time. Um, but He's not a hard-nosed guy. He's not. That's not his game. Um, He's a facilitator. Um, Matthew Kachuk is going to play exactly the way the Panthers want to play the game. Um, He goes hard to the net. He's always around the net. He's going to, you know, he's got patience with the puck. Um, You look at a couple of his playoff goals this year, um, nine out of ten hockey players would have immediately shot the puck when, when they got it. 
And Matthew Kachuk had the sense of mind to, to, to work the puck around and wait for his shot and score. Um, and those are two game winners on, on plays that's so he's just, he's got an, an elite mind. He's got elite hands. Um, and he's going to tick you off. He's he, that's why they, you know, he's considered a uniform. He's a pest who's going to buzz you. Who's going to tick you off. Who's going to make you mad, but he doesn't take penalties and he's always around the net and he's scoring. I mean, he's, he creates penalties and then scores on the power play. So he's, you know, he's been a difference maker for the Panthers for sure, but it's this system. Um, if they would have just kept playing the way they did last year, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. They barely beat the Washington Capitals. They were within an empty net of being down three, one to the Capitals. Instead for gets, you know, ties it up and they win it. Um, and it's two, two coming home. They're able to win that series, but, they were on the verge of getting knocked out in the first round last year um, playing that style. And now you see the way that they're playing now. Every game's a one-goal game. I think they've had one blowout win in the postseason. That was game two in Boston. I believe they beat Boston 6-2 or 6-3. They got blown out once by Boston at home 6-2. Everything else, one goal, two goal games. Which I mean, makes it remarkable playing. because you, you mentioned yeah. how, you know, they could have lost to Washington. They could have lost to the Bruins easily. They could have lost yeah, to, yeah. you know, any other team. Yeah. They didn't even really belong in the playoffs because they right. got help from Columbus and Chicago, you know, beating up on Pittsburgh. So the fact that they even made it in is remarkable. Right. Do you feel like they've, I, their record in the playoffs is without match. Like they're, they're playing great all one goal games, a bunch of overtime games. Is there a little smoke and mirrors here or are they really just that dominant? Because when you come back and you win three state against the Bruins and you pretty much sweep the Maple Leafs, then you walk through the Carolina hurricanes is, are they the juggernaut? You know, they beat three of the four best teams in the NHL or is something else at play here where maybe we're missing something? Well, I mean, look at them at five on five. I mean, the Panthers are dominant five on five. I don't, I think they've given up at just a couple of goals, um, five on five in the last two series. So, um, they need to clean up some things, no doubt about it, but no, they're not a juggernaut. When you're winning a game in four overtimes, you didn't dominate that game. You won that game. Then you win game two in overtime, you didn't, but they're winning the games. They, nothing seems to phase them. And I think that's the impressive part about this Florida team. And Paul Maurice mentioned it. He goes, I think sometimes the pressure's on the other team in that point. It certainly was. The pressure was certainly on Boston. The pressure was certainly on Toronto. Uh, when Florida's got you tied in overtime and you're in Toronto, you're holding that stick a little tighter. And the Panthers are laughing and having a good old time. They're playing with house money. Because like you said, if it wasn't for Columbus, Detroit, and Chicago beating Pittsburgh, Florida may not even be here. If it was, if, if Sergei Bobrovsky doesn't make a save on Brad Marchand in the final seconds of game five in Boston, they're not here. They lose yeah. that series four to one. Instead, they win. It's a three, two series coming back to sunrise. Let's go. Um, so, yeah, but that's, that's life though, right? I mean, life is full of, you know, full of little things like that. And they've just rolled with it. And they're like, hey, we won. Let's go tomorrow. You know, let's just keep moving. And listen, this team's won eight straight on the road in the playoffs. They haven't lost a road game since game one against Boston. Mm -hmm. That's impressive. That's a team that's playing with, you know, with, with, with calm, cool, collected minds. And 
the Panthers have done a good job of just being themselves and, and, and playing the game and staying in the moment. Well, you're around the team quite a bit. Has the locker room culture changed at all? Because it seemed like no. last year it was loosey-goosey. Is it the same way this year? Maybe more so. It's absolutely, yeah. It's like uh, it's like a frat house in there. I mean, it, it really is. These guys all hang out together, um, and that's the one thing that 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 I've talked to Bill Zito about is how do you? We thought that 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 dynamic that they had was going to be disrupted when they've made trades. They made you know Vincent Trocheck was the best friend to everybody on the team. They traded Vincent Trocheck, Nick Bugstead, best friend of every traded Nick Bugstead. Last year, Jonathan Huberdeau. Mackenzie Weger, you thought that that would disrupt the dynamic, but then comes Matthew, Ch- uh, you know, Kachuk, and Sasha Barkov goes. I talked to him for five minutes. It's like we've been buddies for ten years. They all hang out together. They all live in the same neighborhood in Fort Lauderdale. They all barbecue, go on the boat, they go fishing on Aaron Eckblad's yacht um, out in the Gulf Stream. I mean, they all do everything together, um, and that's carried on from year to year. And it's it's strange to see so many new faces getting integrated, and and it's like nothing changed. Can you talk about Ekblad? Because I feel like he's a little bit of an unsung hero. Everybody's focusing on Brandon Montour. He's playing great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The guy's like lighting it up. This is his coming out party. Ekblad's still the main cog on that back end. Can you just speak to how he, he's almost just forgotten in Florida, and the guy's what is he twenty five? Tim, I always think he's forty years old. He's been around for yeah. so long. But speak to how important he is to this team because people think of Kachuk and Bennett and Bobrovsky and Montour and Verhage and Reinhardt and all these guys. But it's just talk about Ekblad because the guy is undersung just how important he is. Well, you're absolutely right. And this has been a tough year on Aaron Ekblad. Uh, he's, he's battled through injuries since the beginning, beginning of the season, game three against Boston. Um, you know, he sustains a, a groin injury, comes back has a foot injury, has a shoulder injury. He's had all these things. There are games where you'd watch Aaron Eckblad and you're like, he can't skate at all. He can't move. And it's because he can't, he can't push off. And that's a groin. That's a foot. Um, And then after the all-star break, he got that 10 days off really seemed to help him. And you could see Aaron Eckblad get stronger and stronger. Now you talk about Montour. He has had a great breakout postseason. Um, he's been scoring the goals and that gets you the attention. Aaron Eckblad, I think might have one goal in the postseason mm-hmm. on the power play. Um, so he's not getting that kind of attention, but defensively, yeah, he's been playing up with uh, Gustav Forsling, another guy that's getting zero attention in this series. And he and Aaron Eckblad have been a terrific team together. Uh, Forsling moved up uh, and played with uh, Mackenzie Weger when Eckblad got hurt. And when Weger got traded, Forsling moved up to play with Ekblad. So they've been a terrific combination for the Panthers, and they've been Florida's best defensive pair. We've talked on our show how the Panthers seem to get better with each and every series, too. Have you gone into any of these series expecting them to win? Uh, Boston, no. Toronto, I didn't think they matched up well with Boston at all. I mean, with with Toronto at all. Um, You know, that game that they won, the, the Keith Kachuk game, that was the first time they'd won in, in Toronto since before the pandemic. So they never won in Toronto and for them to do what they did to them was surprising. Uh, Carolina, I thought they matched up pretty good with, and they could, you know, make that a six game, seven game series. Um, I didn't think they'd sweep Carolina. I don't think anybody did. Um, 
they've just, you know, they just find a way. They've been very, very impressive in the way that they've handled things. And listen, <clears throat> they they won game seven in Boston in overtime. Matthew Kachuk scores in overtime. Panthers beat the Bruins. Two days later, they're in Toronto. And the Maple Leafs, they just rolled right into it. And, you know, so they can play at a moment's notice, change things, or, you know, get five or six days off as they did before Carolina. And that didn't affect them either. So now we run right into Vegas. And you look at the league standings at the end of the year, they have now played four of the top five teams in the NHL. What are their chances going into Vegas? Vegas has just been getting better, much like the Florida Panthers have this postseason. What do you think Florida needs to do to beat these guys? I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing. They play a road game even at home. Uh, you've heard coaches talk about that over the yep. years. Um, they they don't play a fancy game anymore. They can score on you. They've got the offensive talent. You've seen it with Verhage, Barkov, Kachuk, Reinhardt, Bennett. All those guys can score. Um, but that's not what they're looking for. So they play they play a tight game. They haven't been down any, you know, a big amount of goals to come back from. So as long as they keep it within a goal, they feel like they can win a game late. Um, and I think that, you know, the pressure starts to turn onto the other team. I think matchup-wise, Vegas is probably a deeper team, right? They're, they're better defensively. They've got a deeper forward group. The way Bobrovsky's playing, you give Florida the edge in goal, although Aiden Hill's been terrific. Um you know, I think it might come down to Sergei Bobrovsky, but it's a collective thing, too. So um, it, it's just going to be more of the same for the Panthers. Who needs to step up for them offensive-wise? Because we, we know what Kachuk's doing. We know Sam Bennett's playing fantastic. Who needs to maybe play better from the Panthers? I don't know if anybody needs to play better. They all play pretty well. I mean, everybody knows their role. You've got you've got the first two lines that have been doing the the lion's share of the scoring and then you've got the third and fourth line that have been playing terrific defense um led by centers Anton Lindell and uh and 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 Eric Stahl so they all know their roles they they they're happy playing what they're supposed to be playing uh maybe you'd like to see some more secondary scoring coming out of those bottom two lines or maybe even from a Radko Gudas or you know something like that but you don't expect that you don't live and die on that um so the Panthers have, like, like I said, every game's been two one three two, um, basically since the Toronto series. So they're just going to keep it close and just uh, see what happens. Yeah, you mentioned Florida has been terrific five on five. That's how Vegas wins. Vegas' special teams are garbage. Like their penalty right. kills junk. Their power plays even worse. Do you think this could be a series where Florida maybe wants the special teams to kind of come to the forefront? Because if five on five, this this might be a tough matchup. Yeah, you 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 look at uh, their penalty kill, but a lot of that was Edmonton lighting them up, right? Yeah. Uh, you, yep. you look at those numbers from the second round against Vegas. Um, the Panthers' power play has been looking pretty good lately, and that was against Carolina, um, the the best penalty kill I think we've seen in this postseason. And Florida figured them out. You know, Florida ended up with four goals in the final three games against that that vaunted penalty kill. So Panthers have done a nice job. Uh, they'll take they'll take it, whatever it is. Uh, their penalty kills been fine. Their power play has been good enough to, to get them some wins. Um, but five on five is their bread and butter, and that's where they that's where they've played. So um, I, I think the Panthers would like to stay five on five. But if they get the opportunity to go on the power play, they're going to want to cash in. Okay. Fast forward a week and a half from now, Panthers 
raising the cup. Who's the con Smythe winner? Who's who's uh, getting that trophy? If the Florida Panthers win the cup, it's going to be Sergey Bobrovsky, right? Because yeah. you 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 win with your goalie and you what he's done uh, since Game Five against Boston. They're the reason the Panthers are here. Um, we can talk about two one games, three two games. It's Bobrovsky. Um, Bob's the reason. He's the reason they're here. He's the reason they're in this position. And if they win, it'll be because of him. So. Sergey Bobrovsky and, 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 you know, voters always lean 70% to the goalie anyway. So um, that, you know, Bob will, Bob will be the guy, but, and we'll, but Kachuk will be, Kachuk and Barkov will be in the conversation. Even if Kachuk pots two, two OT winners, like he did last series in the series before and very possible. But if it's a two, again, a two, one game or something yeah. like that, you got, yeah, Bob, you know, look, Bobrovsky in one series, one, one set of games against, um, Carolina stopped like 124 out of 125 shots. Yeah, that's pretty good. His, his numbers are are out of, out of control. Um, but so are Kachuk. So we'll just have to wait and see. That's a long way away. All right, last one, then we'll let you go. I know you're busy. What's the deal with this dog bone? Who who got who started that thing? The guys are chewing on a dog bone after. Yeah, that. they won't tell me. I have a feeling it's Colin White because he's always like in the middle of that. He's always like peeking around and smiling. Uh, whenever somebody gets the dog bone. So I'm thinking it's Colin White. That seems like his sense of humor. Um, just, you know, one of those normal rawhide dog bones that you hand out the players and they chew on. Nothing nothing to see here. Yeah, it's just normal. Because right? people yeah, chew normal. on dog bones. That's what people do. When you quit smoking, you, you chew on a uh, rawhide dog bone. and uh, Everybody knows that. Everybody. Yeah, All right, George. Well, hey, man, thank you very much for joining us. This was fantastic. The half an hour flew by. George Richards, where can we find you? Any, anywhere you want to? Have people flood in your way? Yeah, come on over. Check me out uh, on Twitter at George Richards, uh, FloridaHockeyNow.com, um, the premier uh, place to get your Florida Panther news. And uh, we've got the YouTube channel, Florida Hockey Now YouTube channel. So check that out. All right, check him out, everybody. Thank you, George Richards, for being a guest on our show. Very good. An expert of the expert. I knew it. It's fantastic. Thank you the for athletic I appreciate him. you. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We will talk to you next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 